Aloha. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. We talked about this a while back, and I don't think it's a topic we think about enough. April 16th is National Healthcare Decisions Day, 6th annual, and the Compassion and Choices Hawaii group are making this day a public information event. Actually, they're having topics all week. Earlier, earlier today, Waimanalo Health Center, tomorrow volunteers at the Hawaii State Capitol Rotunda, and throughout the week, advanced directive parties. The Leadership Council will have advanced directive events that, you know, what are they going to ask about, you might wonder. Well, it's better to think about it now than when you can't think about it. We're going to be talking about a sensitive topic, end-of-life care. We'll be taking your calls at 941-3689 on Oahu, toll-free for the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Usually at this point, we do medical news, but I have to say... I think we ought to take a moment to send love and aloha to those affected by today's senseless acts in Boston, reminding us to appreciate every precious moment. It was all over the news today, and there's nothing else that I could think of to mention at this moment. Now, today we have a guest in the studio, Mary Steiner, campaign manager for the group Compassion and Choices Hawaii. We'd all like to have a little compassion and choice when it comes to that time for ourselves and our loved ones. And we're going to talk about National Healthcare Decisions Day, April 16th. That's tomorrow. If you have advanced directives, we'd like to hear from you. How did you bring up this conversation with your family? And what are your wishes? You can call us at 941-3689 on Oahu. Toll free from the neighbor islands, 877 877- Nine four one three six eight nine. Mary, welcome to the Body Show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to have you here. Now let's talk about a few statistics. You know, the U.S. Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality noted about ten years ago that less than fifty percent of the severely or terminally ill people had advanced directives. We'll talk about what an advanced directive is in a minute. But you know, only about twelve percent had their doctors' input when they made the decision. And over 65% of doctors didn't know at this survey, it was about 10 years ago, that the patient had one or that it existed. Now, this is a decade ago. Are we better now? I'd like to think that we're better. We're certainly working to get the word out. We are advising people to not only speak about their feelings with their families and their friends and their healthcare proxy, but also to speak with their doctors. And at the same time, Compassion and Choices is urging doctors to have the conversations with their patients. Now, let's talk about this this advanced directive. This is often a form that people fill out. There's various iterations of this form. What exactly is an advanced directive? An advanced directive is often known also as a living will. But it really consists of three pieces. It's a living will. It's a durable power of attorney for health care. So if you're no longer able to make your own decisions where you designate somebody that will follow your wishes, and it's any addendums that you might want to add. So there's three parts, and you mentioned living will. What does that sort of encompass? I mean, you can kind of think about it, well, it's a will, but you're still living. So it has specifically to do with health care issues. What are the basic questions that a living will answers? 
I think the one that people are most uh, know the most about is the do not resuscitate order. Um, many people will have a DNR saying that if something happens to me, do not resuscitate me. That can be part of a living will. So that's the, okay, my heart stopped, my breathing stopped. I don't necessarily want you to bring me back. Right. And, or I don't necessarily want to be on a ventilator. That's another big issue for a lot of people. I think it's something everybody should really think about. Now, who should have an advanced directive? Everybody? Absolutely everybody. So do you got one? Of I actually do. I said, well, down I would with hope so, husband. Mary, if you're out there talking about it. You know, I'm going to put you on the spot. You've got to have one. Now, what's in there? I mean, you, well, don't, you, know, you can like make it up because I, I put you on the spot there. I mean, I know it's radio. I'm like putting you on the spot. But what exactly does it say? You know, it's really interesting because what I what it would have said 30 years ago when I did my very first one when my son was born and what it says today are something very different. Interesting. So what what would it have said 30 years ago? 30 years ago, I had the position do nothing. If something happens to me, I don't want any intervention whatsoever. Just let me go. But now that I'm quite a bit older, I sort of think I don't really mean that because what I really might need is just antibiotics or put me on a ventilator if I need to or a respirator for a certain period of time. But let me indicate in my advance directive for how long that should be. And if you don't see that I'm getting better, then please take me off and don't let me linger. So that's kind of the addendum that you that you talked about. What do you think changed? I mean, clearly your wishes changed. Why do you think that is? Because I think people change. I think that that's part of how we are and we grow up and we become more You might mature. have seen people get better. And people get better, yes. I mean, I think absolutely. at some point, you're right, I remember being in medical school saying, yep, I don't want to be resuscitated. I've participated in these resuscitations. I, I, it doesn't turn out so well. And yet, having been in medicine now for, you know, boy, who knows how many years, 14 years now here in Hawaii, I have a different thought on it. You could actually get better. I've seen people get better. And I've seen people go from a very difficult scenario to walking into my office weeks later, and I'm like blown away. So I think you're right. Maybe the more you're participating in this field, you realize sometimes people can get better. Now, you know, in this sort of situation, it's kind of nuanced, though. I mean, you, you mentioned something really interesting. It's not an all or nothing. So previously, it might have been do not resuscitate, let me go. And now it's, I want some stuff, but I'm going to put a time limit on that. So tell me a little bit about this sort of trial period that you've put into your advanced directive. I have filled out a form that's called, that Compassion and Choices has on its website, www.compassionandchoices.org. And it's part of what we call our values worksheet or our toolkit. And in there is something called My Particular Wishes. And it allows you to put periods of time for how long you want to try some of these things to see if you're going to get better. Now, I've got to say, you brought in a sample. And, you know, even my office, we've got the advanced directive on the wall and you can pull it out and you can sign it and you check the yes, no, or maybe so boxes. But I love this particular addendum, this this. The toolkit you described. And, and if anybody out there computer savvy, I would go to this website because I've seen the color version here in front of me and, and it's pretty cool. And you can download it for free. And, and it's, 
it puts in those those trial periods, you know, because a lot of times these advanced directives say, if it looks like I'm not going to get better, I don't want to wind up on a ventilator forever. Let me go. And that almost seems kind of common sense. I mean, not everybody. Then again, some people might, but I can't think of anybody I know of that says, yes, I want to be on a ventilator, even if I'm not conscious for years at a time. So, you know, there's this there's this trial period you mentioned. So in this worksheet or in this toolkit, it actually specifically says if you, you know, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. If you have pneumonia and you might get better on a ventilator after two days, that would be a trial period, but not two years. Is that kind of the way that the toolkit can be used? That's one of the best ways that the toolkit can be used. I think it also helps for your family or your healthcare proxy and your loved ones because it takes the guesswork away from them who and they're already upset and having a lot of emotional feelings about seeing their parent or their friend in in this situation. And so they know and they can help you that way and it helps them ultimately. It's a gift. It really is a gift. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show in the studio. Mary Steiner, she is the campaign manager of Compassion and Choices Hawaii. And we are talking about advanced directives. And I don't think we could talk about this enough until everybody has one and has it written down. There's a place in your medical chart, even if the medical chart is electronic, where it can be scanned in and it can be summarized and easily accessible. And we'll talk a little bit more about about who can access this and, and who has the ability to do that. But tell me, now, this is the 6th Annual National Healthcare Decisions Day. What is that particular day about, Mary? It's it's April 16th. You know, some people joke, there's only two things in life you have to do, die and pay taxes. Well, today's <laughs> tax day. Tomorrow we're going to talk about Healthcare Decisions Day. What does this day symbolize and what does it mean? What, they, what National Health Care Decision Day is really all about is inspiring, educating, and empowering the public to end providers about the importance of advanced care planning. So don't wait until don't the last wait. minute. Don't wait. Have the conversation. Think now about what it might be. We've had seen a lot of advancements in, in, our, in the medical field, and I think that some of those advancements – may or may not be good for everybody. And it's good to think about it way before it happens to us. If anybody out there wants to tell me what their advanced directive is, or even if they want to ask a question about what is this process, where do you get the forms, how do you go about it, I'd love to hear from you. 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Now, Mary, I'm going to put you on the spot again because I'm kind of enjoying this. And you may not be, but I'm going to do it. So tell me, did you bring up this idea with your husband? Was it a difficult conversation? Do you, you mentioned you have a you have a son. Did you bring up this sensitive topic, or you know how did this all go about? When did you say, "All right, honey, let's have a discussion on what I'm going to do or what you're going to do if I can't talk for myself"? How do you broach such a topic? Well, again, I hadn't done it in a very long time. And then I started to become familiar with Compassion and Choices and what they're about. And it's, I realized right away that we needed to have this conversation in our own family. And you just said, that's it. Tonight's the night. We're going to talk about it. Actually, it was a rainy Sunday afternoon. Kind of like yesterday. Okay. And we brought out the wine 
And my husband, That's always a good way to get the situation going. Okay. And my husband and I sat down at the table and we talked. And it started with the values worksheet from the Compassion Choices website because it asks a lot of questions about and, and asks questions about how we feel about things. And what we learned after 35 years of being together was that we probably were more in agreement now than we were when we did this 30 years ago. So that was a really cool thing. That's a positive event. Yeah. So both of you kind of matured to come to the same conclusions. We think an awful lot alike. And well, it's been how many years? I mean, I <laughs> right. would think after right. that many years. Okay, that sounds pretty good. Right. And, then, right. and then my son came home for Thanksgiving. And we had the forms all done. And we Happy them. Thanksgiving, son. Here you go. Take a look at this. We want, I want you to take a look and make sure you understand it. Let's talk about it. And we talked for how we each feel about things. And although he is not my if number one proxy, he is my alternate. And I wanted him to, if he had any questions or problems, now is the time to talk about it. Your number one proxy being your husband. Yeah. yeah. Now, you know, can you write one of these on your own? Do you have to have special forms? Can you just write it out and sign it somewhere? How do you go about getting this? Now, I'm not a lawyer, I should say, to begin with. But it is my understanding that in the state of Hawaii, you can write it out on your own. The reason why you might not want to is because you need to have witnesses and you want to be able to answer all of the questions, very specific questions that are being asked. So starting with a basic form, and once again, our website has the form, and you can take down the Hawaii-specific form and fill it out, and that's the real good way to go. All right, we've got some callers in the line. We have got Dwayne from Kahuku. Dwayne, welcome to The Body Show. Well, thank you. What can we do for you today? Well, uh, I work with these. I have in the past. Uh, I used to be a chaplain at a hospital, and part of the admissions um, to anybody who was admitted into the hospital, um, there was a, a visitation and discussion about uh, advanced directives. Uh, do you and, think that's too late, Dwayne? Well, these not, I'm not talking about people with end-of-life issues. Everybody that was in there for any type of procedure, uh, at least, I, I, I agree. Any, if you can get to it before that, but this was still an opportunity to talk to people who, I'm not talking about end-of-life issues at that point. Sure, they might I, come in to have their appendix out or maybe exactly, just come in exactly. because they have an infection. It's a good opportunity, you're right, to capture those folks. You know right. they're going to be in the hospital. They're kind of sort of a captured audience because they're going to be admitted. So, uh, so Dwayne, did you find that that was pretty successful? Well, I will say that I kept my own stats on it, uh, the numbers that I saw. And I, there were a number of uh, uh, chaplains in, in the hospital. It's a pretty good-sized facility. Um, I would say... Uh, as I remember, the numbers were probably around 30% did something. Uh, I think there is an initial thing with most people that they don't want to think about the subject, uh, and we would never force that issue. We would just say, um, we'll come back and talk to you at any time, your convenience, uh, if you want to talk about it more. Uh, but about 30% did fill them out. The other thing I think is a key thing with advanced directives is people will write these things out, and then they lock them up in their uh, safety deposit box. Uh, I, I tell people, make everyone who is aware, every relative you've got, immediate family and beyond that, make sure they have copies of this and they understand it. 
That's a really good point, Dwayne, because if you're the only person who knows about it, nobody else does, and you can't tell anybody about it, they're right. not going to know your wishes, and they might not be able to go to that safe deposit box. Have this available, accessible to your providers, to your family, to your proxy, the person who's going to speak for you if you can't. Excellent point, Dwayne. Yes, we also need a, a better increase in the portability of medical records, so this kind of thing travels with the person also. If you're, uh, say you're driving across uh, the states on a, on a vacation and you're involved in a car accident and it, there's no way there unless you carry one of these things on your person. Uh, so we need greater portability also, and I would encourage uh, people to um, talk to their uh, legislative folks about trying to get that uh, nationwide so that when you have one of these things, uh, it can be seen any place uh, in the country. Excellent, excellent points, Dwayne. I want to thank you for calling us today. What a great firsthand experience. I'm surprised only 30% of the people, Mary, given this captured audience, actually did something about it. These are people going to the hospital. But that brings up a really interesting point, which has to do with state lines. Now, you know, okay, Hawaii, we're all here in various forms and, and on various islands. So it is something that can easily, you can find it if somebody goes to a to another hospital, they can easily get that. But, you know, you mentioned the Hawaii state-specific form. What if you spend some of your year in Hawaii and some of your year on the mainland? I guess the form is pretty standard. You could use it in other places, right? I would guess that the form would be standard. But if you, but you got to have it with you. You would have to have it with you. And just speaking to that, I think that what I did with ours was I put them in our Dropbox account as well. So I scanned them and I have them electronically so that you so that if we're somewhere else, we can also have access to it without having to have the piece of paper that goes with. So you have this electronically available? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, that's an excellent, excellent thought and certainly something that, uh, that I'm happy Dwayne brought up, which is what if you go to the mainland, go on a vacation and something happens? I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show here in the studio with Mary Steiner. She is the campaign manager of Compassion and Choices Hawaii. When we come back, we're going to talk more about National Healthcare Decisions Day and how to make sure that you get to decide when it comes to you or your family or your loved ones regarding what you feel is best for your care. If you want to join us, you can at 941-3689, toll-free from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. On the next Humankind. I see a, a moral core or moral compass developing over many years. I don't think it's something that naturally emerges. I think it's something that adults have to be very intentional about cultivating. How to Nurture the Moral Development of Children. I'm David Freudberg. Join us for Humankind. This evening at 6.30, right after Marketplace. Louise said the name of the street, which was way east out St. Claude, almost to the parish line, in the part where most houses had been destroyed two years ago today. A wasteland was out there. I'm B.D. Wong. This week on Selected Shorts, Life After Katrina, from PRI, Public Radio International. Tuesday at 5 p.m. 
Aloha. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. Welcome back. I have Mary Steiner here in the studio. She is the campaign manager of Compassion and Choices Hawaii. We're talking about National Healthcare Decisions Day and advanced directives. If you'd like to know more about it or if you've written one out and want to tell us about how you initiated that conversation with loved ones, you can at 941-3689 Oahu, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. We've got another caller on the line. We have Candle from Maui. Candle, welcome to The Body Show. Thank you very much. What can we do for you today? Uh, I wanted to ask Mary if she was familiar with the um, five wishes. And uh, I work with a group here on Maui, Dying into Life, and uh, we help people with their dying process and distribute the five wishes papers to people. And I have one myself and give it to my massage clients. But, for example, I have Kaiser and other people have HMSA. And at least Kaiser has a thing they give you every time, like the person before me was saying, every time you go in, they want to make sure you have a health care directive. Is there a way to actually give them, because they often say they don't scan things, uh, a five wishes record for your chart? That's an interesting question. Now, first off, Mary, what are the five wishes? I feel like I'm in suspense. Candle said there's five wishes. I want to know the wishes. Do you know what they are? I Off the top of my head, I can't tell Candle, you what Candle, you're, you're on the hook. What are I've... the five wishes? Well, it's called the five wishes, but it has the same... Uh, regular health care directives in it, whether you want to stay alive with the um, support or not. It I has, see. It okay. Those basic, but then it elaborates in a very humanistic way. You know, I would like to have, you know, um, uh, my clothes changed often enough, or I would like to have cold compresses put on my face. You, you add things that you want. So let's say you're in a nursing home or you're, you know, uh, unable to care for yourself and other people are doing it, they know how to take care of you. And and so it's just a little more humanistic approach than the lawyer version of the... Um, uh, yeah, no, I hear what you're saying, Candle, I mean. because, you know, the legal aspect of it, and, and I sort of feel I have special permission to, to make fun of the legal aspect because... I have a brother who's a lawyer, so I, I don't know. I just feel like that gives me a gives me an in. I can make fun of the legal aspect. Uh, I bet a lot of people who are lawyers would argue with that. But, but you know, the legal aspect is A, B, or C. And you're right. There's often a lot of things that people want that are personal that may not necessarily be associated with end-of-life care, but are personal wishes, like you mentioned, cold compress, or you want clothes changed daily, or things like that. And, you know, that's the hard part, is because sometimes electronic medical records don't allow you to scan things in. Now, I know where I work, things can be scanned in very easily, and they can be found very easily. I'm sure other places that have a similar electronic medical record can do the same. Um, but it's five a, wishes are supposed to be acknowledged by Hawaii and many other states as legal. Yeah, and I think it's an excellent idea. And I guess the question that I would have is, is if this is not a standard, 
which to me, you know, I'm a physician. I'm hearing about this for the first time. Why oh, yeah, not? Look it up. Make sure you go look oh, it up. you know, I mean, I have to, Kendall, because now, now I want to know exactly. <laughs> and you've sort of yeah, challenged well, I me. Think. I'm going to report back next week that I looked it up. I know the wishes. Oh, good. But I think okay. it's a really important point, which is let's make this not just legal speak, but let's make it human speak. Let's make it something easy for people to understand, easy to make choices, and make it really simple so that if they can't speak for themselves, we know their wishes. And that's really what it's all about. Mm-hmm. All right. So well, thank- what I wondered was whether or not if you can possibly get that into your medical records. I think you can. I mean, I've got a lot of people that see me in the office and they can scan in their advanced directives. They bring me the legal copy and any other papers they want with that get scanned into a certain section. And when I click on that, I see the scan. So I would have to say for, for where I work, yes, you can have it scanned in. And that doesn't necessarily apply to everybody. I'm at Straub. I'm part of the Hawaii Pacific Health System. Any hospital that participates with that system, yes, it can be scanned. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, I might just look into Kaiser a little more because when I tried to have some other things from previous records scanned in, they said they couldn't do it. Well, and, you know, their system is very similar to the one that HPH uses. So I think there may be capabilities. Uh-huh. It might have changed. Yeah, it might have changed, you know, and they might be able to do that. I would imagine there's got to be a way, because some papers just come in and you need to have the paper scanned, not yeah. necessarily just data inputted into the system. So I would take a look. And, and you can report back to me, Candle, and I'll report back to you on the five wishes. All right. It's and a thank deal. thank you, Mary, for being on the show and for making Compassionate Choices Hawaii at least known to the public. Fantastic. Thank you so much for calling. And I, the only thing that I would like to add is that I am sure that if someone wants to do the five wishes, they can then attach it to their advanced directive in Hawaii, and then it will become legal. All right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, great. Thanks a lot. All Thank right. You. Thank you, Candle from Maui. We've got another caller. We've got Jeff from Wahiwa. Jeff, thanks for being patient. Welcome to The Body Show. Hi. I have a question in addition to the one that I called in about, um, your guest said that her wishes were electronically available, but I didn't understand how she did that. Yeah, the Dropbox. Like I was kind of curious. Box, yeah, I know. I know, Mary. I was I was just blowing over that like I'm just not techno enough, and maybe everybody else knows about this. But thank you, Jeff. I'm not alone. <laughs> Let's answer yeah, that no. part yeah. first, and then we'll get to your other question. Mary, what's a Dropbox? What are you talking Dropbox about? Dropbox is just one of many opportunities out there now where to put things in a cloud. Um, so your cloud computing. My cloud, my, my cloud computer computing is Dropbox. I believe Apple has one that they iCloud use. Or I, okay. iCloud, exactly, where you can store documents. There are lots of them that are available now, and yeah, I happen how, to use how Dropbox. How is that available to other people, though? You download. I mean, that would be available to you. Well, if, uh, if, but, I, if I were in a situation that I needed to be able to get a hold of my husband's advanced directive and I was at a hospital, I could go into my Dropbox account and download it and give it to them. So you would okay. still be accessing but your account. I would go so to So you account. wouldn't say like, okay, Dr. Kozak, come access my account. You would actually have to access it yourself. Right. But I would also right. make sure that Dr. Kozak had a copy if okay. Dr. Kozak's my I would, primary. I would want, want it to be available to others because if I'm unconscious, for example. Yeah, you can't tell them your password, Jeff. You're not. That's right. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, I like the idea so of a little you, miniaturized you, one. Is there a way to do that? 
to make it available to other people? You know, yeah. not off the top of my head do I know, but but that's something that we've got to work on because you brought up a really good point. If you're not awake and nobody knows you have one and yeah. they don't know who you are because, you know, you've unfortunately had an accident, what happens next? Well, the, the, the solution you were talking about, about having it be attached to your medical records, that, that would solve that. It would, right. but not if you're on the mainland. Right. You could yeah, also... Well, I'm Kaiser, so... Well, you're would, set. You'd be, it, you'd be fine. Right. You would yeah, be, you'd yeah, be fine. If, if Kaiser does that. So I will, I will check that out. Okay, here's my other question, my original question. Um, do I need to have this, this document notarized? Do I need to do something so that it's uh, legally uh, acceptable? Great question, Jeff. I get asked that all the time. Mary? The answer to that question is that there is one of two things you can do. One is you could have it notarized, or you could have it witnessed by two people who are unrelated to you, not your medical doctors, and who will not be benefiting from whatever you may be leaving in the end. Okay, so just two... Two witnesses. Uh, Two witnesses. Uh, they could be your neighbors your neighbor? or okay. your friends. Oh, it yeah. could be friends. Right. They could be friends as long as they're not going to be any of those other Like people. they're not going to get your house. They're not going to get your you house. Know, so. your yeah, right, right, right. All right. 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 No benefit. Um, and then I am trying to figure out where to, where to put this thing because uh, my old documents are in my safe box, and that's silly. Um, well, I, I mean, say my, keep my one my in your house, Jeff. Do it, but but uh, nobody else could. If I die, then it, it's locked up. Well, if you died, I'll be honest, I think it's a little too late to look at your advanced oh, directive. <laughs> you know, I mean, right. I, I think that particular that. scenario. Okay, but if I, okay, if I rain capacity. You know, then I would no, say right. keep one in your house, uh, make sure it's available, put it with your other important papers, birth certificate, all that kind of stuff. If And, and the way that I would say to people is, you know, if you were to go and try and find an important record of someone you care about and you, you knew they had like areas and where would you look? Where would your husband or wife or loved one or family member put all the good stuff? When I was younger, my mother had this metal box that was, you know, way up high enough that I couldn't reach it in like the coat closet. And that was where everybody's shot records were and their birth certificate was. And so I always knew that's where the good stuff is, right by the front door. So if the house is on fire, grab it and run. That might be a place that you could think about some oh, that, special that spot. Makes that makes sense to me. All right, Jeff. Okay. Love the questions. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm glad. You know, Jeff, you guys are all cloud computing, and now I feel like i got to listen to the Bite Marks guys on Wednesday more because I'm out of the uh, techno-savvy world. But all right, Mary, so that's that's a really good point Jeff brought up, which is, you know, how do you make sure that people know you have it? Now, you've told some family members. I've told family members, and now when you go to renew your driver's license in the state, they will ask you, and it's now printed on your driver's license in red, and it says AHD, Advanced Healthcare Directive, right on your driver's license, so they now, know. So they know you have one. They know you they have They don't it, know what it says And then yet. they at least can know to start looking for it. But it's probably not with your driver's license. No, it wouldn't be with your driver's license. And it's generally too big to carry on the day-to-day. You could put it on a flash drive, though. You could. I'm thinking, boy, if there was a way that, you know, maybe we could miniaturize it and just put it, like, next to your license or something. But, you know, I mean, again, I'm thinking old school, and there's probably a technological answer to this that I have not thought of. So, all right. Well, Mary, let's talk about about a real-life scenario. 
because these things happen and you've had situations like this. Let's just say, okay, let's say grandpa is uh, is living by himself and he has an advanced directive and the advanced directive says, if I am not going to make it, don't bring me back. So grandpa's feeling some chest pain and he says, well, I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. I'm going to call an ambulance. So he calls 911. Ambulance shows up at the house, and on his refrigerator is a bright green paper called a post. Do you know what this is? That's the physician order for life-sustaining treatment. So if Grandpa thinks he's going to get better, maybe he's having some chest pain, doesn't know what it is, ambulance sees the post, do they follow it? Yes, they have to follow it is my understanding. So now let's say it says if he's not going to get better, don't resuscitate him. Now, Grandpa's conscious. He can talk, and he says, take me to the hospital. I know that form says if I'm not doing well, don't do anything, but I I change my mind. I want you to take me to the hospital. He at can which, do that. At which point he can do that. As long as he's mentally competent and making his own decisions and he's responsive, what he wants rules. Okay. So let's let's say he goes into the hospital. And and they say, you know, we're going to do these tests for you. Now we've discovered that you need to have surgery. In order to survive, you need bypass surgery. So so let's just say he decides this is what he wants to do. And Grandpa goes to have the surgery. Now his advanced directive says, if I'm not going to get better, don't resuscitate me. But if he's having a surgery and he's in the middle of surgery and his heart stops, do they have the opportunity to... Bring him back. If he's having a heart surgery and they need to go ahead and shock him back. Now, the anticipation is that this is a therapeutic surgery. This is a therapeutic surgery and that he's going to get better? Hopefully. I'm thinking yes. I'm thinking probably yes, too, if he has indicated that he wants to go through with this and get better. But I really honestly don't know the answer to that. Okay, so it's kind of one of those subtle things. I told you I'd trip you up, and here you go. (laughs) So, okay, so let's bring Grandpa out of the operating room. He has his surgery, and let's give him my nightmare family. There are, I'm one of four, two went to law school, and two went to medical school. Let's give Grandpa the nightmare family, the the even-numbered two on each side, law and medicine. This is the worst (laughs) scenario for every one of my parents' physicians and anybody who takes care of them. So let's say that Grandpa chose one of the lawyers. We'll be nice. We'll be nice to my younger brother. They chose a lawyer to be his power of attorney. And the other law school graduate and doctors, they're not allowed to make decisions. Now, Grandpa doesn't wake up after surgery. Let's just say. He he doesn't do well. He doesn't wake up after surgery. Is that when this advanced directive comes into play? When he's no longer able to speak or make his own decisions, then his the power of attorney, power of attorney for health care decisions right. is the one who makes the decision. Right. Now, does that person decide, you know, let's let's give a little scenario. Let's give an A, B, and C. Do they make up their own mind and tell everybody else to follow it based on what the power of attorney wants? Or do they make the decision for the person who picked them? So grandpa picked younger brother, and and let's say that he says younger brother can decide, does younger brother lawyer choose what he wants based on what he wants or what grandpa wants, or does the power of healthcare attorney follow grandpa's wishes 
and make sure that despite his siblings arguing, the doctors follow Grandpa's wishes. Let's hope that we're going to be following Grandpa's wishes. C. The answer is C. Okay, so yes. follow Grandpa's wishes. Even if the power of healthcare attorney says, I don't like that. I don't like Grandpa's decision. It's not their choice to change that. Is that right? That would be my understanding, yes. But I would also hope that Grandpa would have done enough talking and had the conversation often enough with his health care power of attorney that that he, the lawyer's grandson, really would understand the situation and what Grandpa wants. And it's not about what the siblings want. It's not about the doctors arguing. It's not about the lawyers arguing. It's about grandpa. It's all about what and grandpa's even wishes if are. power of medical attorney doesn't like what grandpa wants, has to respect it. Yes. All right. What happens if he doesn't? If he doesn't respect it and he goes ahead and... Does something grandpa didn't want to. For example, it puts him on a ventilator. Sure. We'll choose and that. And doesn't want to. Um, there's like what something. Are, what are the consequences? Well, there's a there's an entire movement right now about unwanted medical treatment, and there and that's try, stopping that. And so theoretically, there could be court down the line, and the hospital might step in and say, "We're going to follow Grandpa's wishes. This is what he said in his advance directive." And so there are consequences. That far. You never want it to get that far. And and again, I don't mean to say that, you know, my family is unique, but we really are. So to have like my parents, it's their fault. They had an even number of children and two of them went to law school and two of them went to medical school. It's their fault. None of us agree on anything. But all right. So so really, the answer is make sure that what grandpa wants is what grandpa gets. Yes. OK, we've got a caller on the line. Jody from Hawaii. Kai. Jody. Welcome yes, to the Body hi. Show. Hi, can you hear me? We can hear you great. What can we do oh, for you? Oh, great. Uh, hi. I um, coordinate the state task force on Alzheimer's disease and related dementias. I just wanted to, first of all, say that it's particularly important for people getting a diagnosis of dementia and their families to plan ahead um, when to anticipate, you know, while the person still has the window of opportunity to make their own decisions. But... Number two, um, advanced healthcare directives in Hawaii can be downloaded from Kokuamau, www.kokuamau.org, or the University of Hawaii Elder Law Program. Excellent. Fantastic. And I am aware of the Kokuamau. You guys do a great job. So we will make sure to make a note of that. Right. Now, you're right. The issue with dementia is so important. And we've talked with some folks recently from the Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience Institute yes, about dementia. Yes, I heard about that. I heard your show. It was wonderful. Well, and they brought up a really good point that you're bringing up, which is, you know, when you have some early cognitive changes, you've got to start thinking about these things because when you get diagnosed with advanced dementia, what you say may or may not be considered to be you in your right mind. Yes, you may not have the capacity to make a decision if you can't remember your name. I think that there are ways of um, assessing a person's diminished capacity. There are different levels of lucidity. It isn't just black and white. You're so absolutely right. Dementia can still have the ability to make decisions in a court of law, As and in, that has to be assessed by the um, lawyers. 
You're absolutely right. And also, you know, even the physician. I mean, if somebody can understand the the consequences of their decision and they understand what will happen with that decision, then whatever diagnosis, you're right, they may still be able to to make those decisions at that time. But you bring up a really good point, Jody. Don't wait. Well, for anyone listening, it is a gift um, to give to your children to have an advanced directive so that if you become demented or you get Alzheimer's or any other dementia, they know what to do. It really is a gift. Well, it is, and then they won't argue amongst themselves like I do with my siblings on a regular basis. So it is a gift, and and you're absolutely right, and I'm glad you brought up that point because that was one of the things on our list is talk about what happens when you can't talk for yourself, when dementia becomes an issue. Thank you so very much for your wonderful show and for your guests. Thank you. Thank you. Jody. I also want to add that at the Compassionate Choices website, we have something called the Dementia Provision, which we encourage people to fill out in advance of having some sort of dementia or Alzheimer's coming on. All right. Another way to take a look at it, that extra provision. If you think or even if you don't think, you never know, plan ahead. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show here in the studio with Mary Steiner. She is the campaign manager of Compassion and Choices Hawaii. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about what it means to have advanced directives, whether or not you can you need to travel with these on your person when you go somewhere else. And we're going to talk some more about how you can go about establishing these for yourself and starting that difficult conversation with your family. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. He inherited some history in taking the helm of NPR, and not all of it good. How NPR president and CEO Gary Nell is approaching his role differently, and what that means for the transition of NPR's legacy into the future. Tomorrow morning at 8 on The Conversation. Restaurants are often the place to stoke a romance all over the world. Sharing a meal really means the beginnings of sharing a life. On the next Travel with Rick Steves, Adam Gopnik tells us how modern food culture, fancy or not, really owes its soul to the French devotion to eating well. And friends from Portugal take us on a tasting tour of their country. There's a place at the table for you on the next Travel with Rick Steves. Tuesday at 4 p.m. following Fresh Air. Aloha and welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Mary Steiner from Compassion and Choices Hawaii. If you have a question about advanced directives or you want to know where you can download these, there's a whole bunch of places. You can give us a holler, 941-3689 on Oahu, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Mary, now we've been talking about advanced directives. You said you have one. You've talked to your family about it. There's that extra special provision you mentioned, a dementia provision and a few other things. Tell me, what does Compassion and Choices do? This is a big week. You had an event earlier in Waimanalo. Tomorrow you're going to be at the State Capitol Rotunda. What is it that this group does? What is their mission and and why is it important? We support, educate, and advocate for end-of-life choice. And that's all kinds of of end-of-life choice. We want people to have a good death, however they choose to have it. Now, 
one of the things that was mentioned is that you're having some, and, and this sounds fun, advanced directive parties. So tell me, you've got about four or five of those this week. You had one earlier in the week. What's an advanced directive party? That's where a group of people get together and we actually talk about the advanced directive. They get to see the form. If it's a small group, we can go through it. We can fill it out. We talk about our values, how we feel about things. And it gets people along the way and having the discussion. And with luck, we hope they'll go back and have the discussion with their proxies and their families. Now, how do you choose a proxy? A proxy is somebody who you designate if you can't decide or speak for yourself and you've already made all these decisions on what kind of care that you want, who gets to be your proxy and and how do you, what do they do? What's their job? So first got to pick one, right? You picked so, your husband. So in my case, I picked my husband. I could have picked a really good friend um, or, you know, there you could pick anybody. Virtually anybody could be your proxy. Now let's say you picked your really good friend and your husband was not picked. And he says, but this is my wife. I want to do X, Y, or Z. And your really good friend says, nah, this is what she wants. Your legal document says, follow what you say. And the friend has a right to change any decision your husband may make if it follows your advance directive. That's right. And sometimes, and I, this was a fear that I had before I had the conversation with my husband, which was that he would be too emotional and it would be too hard for him at the end to make some of these decisions. So I thought long and hard about using a friend instead. And, and it wasn't until we had that conversation and learned we were right in sync that I didn't do that. And really, the proxy's only job is follow the instructions that are written down. That I have left, yes. You don't have to agree with them. But you got to follow them. No, and you would really want to talk to your proxy in advance. You want your proxy to understand the nuances of your Sure, I mean, and hopefully, you know, your proxy is somebody who you trust who can make that decision and thinks similar about your wishes as you do. Yes. But it doesn't have to be. It wouldn't have to be, but it probably should be. It probably should be, be, you would think. All right. We've got a couple of callers. We have Ken from Kalihi. Ken, welcome to The Body Show. Hi, doctor. How are you today? Fabulous. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, I've, I am a financial planner, and, and for the last 18 or 20 years, I've been helping people in this process of getting trusts and advanced directives. And I really, it's a great conversation, and I'm excited and happy to hear it being more thoroughly gone through. So thanks for the good job. Well, thank um, you. I love the fact that as a financial planner, you made this part of the plan. Oh, yeah. It's a very important, it's a core part of of helping people get a trust and and to have that discussion to bring the whole family in. I've heard several mentions. It's so important to get everybody on the same playing field and have them hear mom and dad talk about what they want. Otherwise, you may have a a sibling who is just so freaked out about the prospect of mom or dad going that they they will have a very hard time and the family might have a very challenging time. I've seen it happen. Um, actually pulling the plug when that's exactly what mom and dad wanted. You're right. Absolutely. It can happen. I always worry about my poor parents with their nightmare group of kids, yeah. the the even number of doctors and lawyers in the house. They're oh, in trouble. Oh, my God. Yep. And yeah. And it can still be a challenge. But um, um, your, your good places, you know, your good stuff place, uh, one of the most unusual and I think perhaps the most successful in my experience place to put important papers in your house 
is double-wrapped in freezer bags and put in the back of your freezer. Well, you won't be tempted to eat that. You will not. And However, it won't go bad because it's frozen. As, somebody mentioned, as you mentioned earlier, um, you've got steel-walled, uh, four- or five-inch thick, insulated, 10-degree below zero uh, chunk of paperwork, which is highly unlikely to, to be lost in a fire. Um, so All right. A lot of people end up doing idea. that, and I've actually had a client who had a fire, and it was fine. And of all the things that survived, it uh, was their the, block of ice. If you see a burned-out wooden frame house, there'll be two things left. In, in Hawaii, you won't see the fireplace, but on the mainland, you'd see a fireplace and the refrigerator. That's a very good point. All right, Ken, excellent cool. idea. All right. Keep well, going. It's, it's, a, it's a neat service you're doing, and I appreciate your guests tonight. They're doing a great job. Fantastic. Well, thank you for calling us today, Ken. And what a great idea, Mary. Put it in the freezer. I mean, I wouldn't have thought of that. No, I never would have thought of that. But, but it's a great place. It it could work really well. You know, now you can tell all the people at the advanced directive parties, you know, here's something else in the Just freezer without, you know, next to the ice cream. Double wrap it and put it away. All right. We've got another caller on the line. We've got Esther from Kula. Esther, welcome to The Body Show. Hey, thank you. And I love your show every week. I love Kula. It's a really neat area, nice and cool when it's hot everywhere else. So oh, how's the weather over there? out here, but... Here's my question. Okay. I've, I've gone up on the Internet while your show's been on, and I've looked over and put in search terms and, you know, advanced directive in Obamacare, and I'm worried that Obamacare will override many of the advanced directives and planning that uh, you set up in the year 2013. By the time everything goes into effect with Obamacare, you will have no opportunity to exercise any of the uh, requests that perhaps you want to have made in your um, choice of demise or not to die. Well, Esther, the good news is I can tell you this much. It's a legal document. And no matter what happens politically with Obamacare, it can't override a legal document. So if you do have an advanced directive, get it notarized. Check with your siblings on that. I, you know, I can, actually, yeah, the, the lawyer ones. Because, but um, that's not what I've heard. And well, but I'll tell I, you. I have a doctor sister up in um, San Francisco, and that, that sounds really uh, corrupted the way I spoke. But And she's saying it doesn't matter what people uh, write down anymore, or it won't matter. Well, I'm going to tell you, you know, in the medical profession, mm, I'll tell you, in the medical profession, you know, what we are aware of is the upcoming changes going on with the uh, – with the Affordable Care Act. And there are currently no provisions that are suggesting that people are going to be in a situation where their legal power of medical attorney or their legal advanced directive wishes will be overridden. There's currently nothing in the Affordable Care Act that would suggest that you will have your wishes completely negated by some other panel of people who will make decisions for you. Now, certainly, you know, that is as of right now, on April 15th, 2013, yes, things can change. But I don't see that the intent of the Affordable Care Act is to put people in a situation where their decisions are going to be usurped by a government panel that's going to say, no, we're not going to do X, Y, or Z. So that's the good news. And I'm happy that you have a sister who is a sibling, who is a physician, who can help you with some of these things and can look up what the latest is. But as it stands right now, legal documents 
can't be overridden in circumstances where somebody who's a third party decides that it's no longer appropriate and they're not going to follow it. We talked a little bit earlier, Mary, about what would happen if, you know, somebody decided not to follow an advanced directive. And you mentioned there are court implications. There are serious consequences to that. And I suspect before any of this would ever occur, these these issues will be worked out because I don't think a legal document is going to be thrown to the wind just because of some wishes with insurance companies. And I think that's that's fairly straightforward. And I hope that answers your question. And Esther, if you do have other information, you know, you can always email it to me at kkthebodyshow at gmail.com. And we can start a little communique about this if you'd like to. So uh, certainly I'm more than happy to do that. Now, Mary, I'm kind of curious, what are some of the biggest misconceptions about advanced care directives? You know, I, I feel like Esther might have one as far as what's going to happen in 2014. But what do you hear now at your advanced directive parties? What are some of the big misconceptions? What do people not realize about advanced directives? I think that people don't realize that they that what they want is what will happen in the long run to them. They feel that they can that their proxy or the person that they've decided is going to be their proxy will get to make the decisions on on their final Ways so that's living. the myth. What's the truth? The truth is that the advanced directive, the more they say, the more they talk about it, the more they talk with their doctors about it, the better their final days are going to be. So really the purpose of it is that you write down what you want and your proxy is somebody who follows what you want. That's the whole idea of it. Exactly. And the reason to have a proxy is why? The, to, be, to be able to have someone who can make decisions for you if you're not able to make those decisions yourself. So you've written down all these decisions, and the proxy is there to make sure that the doctors and your family and the hospital follows your wishes. Exactly. Now, can you change your mind? You can always change your mind. And we highly recommend that you look at your advanced directive on a regular basis, even once a year on your birthday. Or, or maybe around tax day. I tax mean, that's day. today, right? So, well, you know, look at well, your financial records. You know, we had Ken call in from Kalihi and say he's a financial planner for many years. And so he has people look at it whenever they're looking at their finances. So maybe a good time to take a look. Right. And that's one of the ideas of National Health Care Decision Day, so that maybe you'll take it out and take a look at it again once a year on April 16. So after tax day, take a look at all the other papers. Take a look maybe at Maybe defrost them because you might have put them in the freezer, which is a really good place. I mean, you know, that's a good – That's you don't have to rush to get the metal box out of the closet. You can just, just leave it in the fridge and run out away from the fire. And – Defrost it. Defrost it later. There you go. Okay. Now, if you do change your mind, and let's say that you say, yeah, but I want to be on the ventilator. I want to do whatever. If you're already in the hospital, how do you change that in a legal format? You're, if you're able to speak for yourself, what you say will always be... Supersede whatever the paper exactly. says. Exactly. Yes, ma'am. So if now I feel old, you called me ma'am, but okay. Oh, sorry. So that's all right. So so if you say this is what I want, and then you negate that previous advance directive, then because you are of sound body body and mind, you could rewrite it again. You could rewrite it again. You could take yours. You could cross it out and initial it and date it. 
You can do revise it, do whatever you need, however you would like to make it, and then make that make sure you have that conversation with your loved ones. Make sure everybody knows again that you have changed your mind. So, you know, we mentioned, and so a couple of people said when you get admitted to the hospital, they bring it up. When would you think would be the perfect time to bring it up? Long before you're admitted to the hospital. I would say once you do your forms and you have everything filled out, you would want to bring it up to take it to your doctors. Take it to all of your doctors. Let Talk to your doctors about what your wishes are. Bring it up with your family. Again, we talked earlier about it being such a big gift. Give that gift to your family and your loved ones as well. And you're right. I mean, did you give a copy to your doctor? Did you make sure that they have a, a I, copy on file? Yes, I made sure that my doctor had a copy on file. And in my case, because I'm also a uh, Hawaii Pacific Health person, I had it. It's electronically scanned in. Into my file. And there's like a little pin that I see on the upper right-hand corner of that particular screen. And it says, click on me, and there you go. And so it's scanned I, in. Yep. How about all the extra papers that you were describing, the dementia um, proactive form, also the addendums or the time clauses, that's also on your advanced directive. I stapled it all together and made it all part of my advanced directive. So if somebody wanted to have those things incorporated, that's all put in together. It's all considered one, yes. And if somebody said, all right, I want to make sure I have that comprehensive one, where can they go to get it again? The comprehensive one is... On your website? Compassionandchoices.org. So that's one of the ways. What if they just wanted more information? How can they call you guys? Is there a phone number? We have an 800 number that's 1-800-247-7421. And that's for all kinds of information. And it's also a free counseling service on end of life. So it's if somebody just had a question and they needed to know something, they could call that number, 1-800, was it, 247-7421. Yes, ma'am. I can read my own handwriting. That's a good thing for a Monday. And so so they can do that. They can get information, maybe help them walk through this process of going through this, filling out the forms. That's right. And if they're interested in having an advanced directive party or hosting one, if they call that number, that number will get sent here to Hawaii and our end of life counselor here will get back to them. So you can have we can an advanced directive party in someone's house, in a in in a gymnasium. Where would you do such a thing? You can have it in someone's home. You can have it in a in a space in a senior center. You could have it with a group in a book club. You could do it wherever you'd like to do it. And that brings up an interesting thing to our caller who was a chaplain who said only 30% of people when he was a chaplain did anything about it when they were admitted to the hospital. So you could increase those stats by doing it a little earlier. All right, Mary, final final rec- recommendation, final message. Final message would be to have the conversation with your loved ones and your doctor in advance of having to need it. And if you don't have that conversation, pretty much everything is done? If you don't have that conversation, they're going to do everything they can. And it may be ways that you really don't want to be living. And you've probably seen this happen to folks that you've worked with is they've described loved ones that haven't had the departure that they wanted. And it's very, it's it's not a good death. It's a, it's a, it's a hard way to die. All right, Mary, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today on The Body Show.
Thank you. Mary Steiner is the campaign manager of Compassion and Choices Hawaii. They can be reached at www.compassionandchoices.org. They can also be contacted by a 1-800 number, 1-800-247-7421. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org and follow the links to The Body Show and listen to the podcast. Our engineer, David Chong, executive producer, Beth Ann Kozlovich. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next Monday at 5 on The Body Show.